Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour two, Wendy Bell Radio Program on the clock. All of it has just been so obvious, I think. I thought January 6th was obvious on January 6th. We watched it live. We felt weird about it live. All of it didn't add up. None of it added up. It was not dissimilar to COVID. Didn't add up. Made no sense. People haven't taken us down that path before. Everybody's got to do something. There's this danger. We have to act now. I hadn't experienced that in my life. Made me feel very uncomfortable. And you've got to trust your instincts. Your instincts are correct about people, about news, about all of it. So when when Clay Higgins said this yesterday to Chris Salcedo, I'm sure the host from Newsmax was not prepared. He didn't expect Clay Higgins to say this. If... January 6th, in fact, was an organic swelling of people who Donald Trump encouraged and motivated and pushed forward. He made them do that. If that was the case, there had not been, there should not have been undercover agents among them. There should not have been undercover agents outside the Capitol. There shouldn't have been inside the Capitol. And if that was true, then... Why would there be these people inside the Capitol? Why would they be dressed wearing MAGA hats? Unless, of course, it was all a giant trap. A trap to get Donald Trump. A trap to prevent the man who they never expected to win from ever getting back in the chair. When you think about how deep and how dark and how long ago The machinations have been in place for this. It's really very disturbing. 
ThePoliticsBrief.com House Representative reveals at least, wait for it, 200 undercover Fed operatives set up Trump trap on January 6th. That's huge. According to U.S. Representative Clay Higgins, there were, quote, at least, and we're going to hear him directly in just a moment, at least 200 undercover federal agents among the crowd on January 6th. The lawmaker further stated that some of the operatives were dressed as Trump supporters and were inside the Capitol prior to the breach. It reminds me of that video that we haven't seen in a long while because it's damning. You know the video, it's inside that one vestibule area where all of a sudden a window gets smashed and then all these black ninja dressed like guys jump in. These are the same black dressed ninja guys who got an escort from the D.C. police to the front of the line on January 6th outside the Capitol. That video that's been scrubbed from the Internet since that pesky video that almost makes it feel like it was all coordinated. Right. So let me get this straight. So. There were agents all over the place who could have stopped anything who had the ability to say, hey, whoa, 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 we we need to shut this down. Who did nothing. And beyond that, who instigated, who encouraged people, who riled them up, who got them all bubbled up to a froth. And then we had a, a... a January 6th committee of a biased panel who presented only one-sided evidence and concluded, this was the conclusion of the multi-million dollar debacle, sham show, high school musical theatrical performance. That had there been no Donald Trump, there would not have been January 6th. That's really a dumb comment. Had there been no Donald Trump, you guys wouldn't have needed to cheat. You guys wouldn't have had all these weird ballot drops at three in the morning. You guys wouldn't have had that water main break that sent everybody home. All the counts in all these other cities wouldn't have all stopped at the same time and then started at the same time and then stopped at the same time and started again at the same time. All these things that we have proven to you with evidence that you could fact check us on would not have happened. Of course. If Donald Trump hadn't decided to win and be a really good freaking president, how dare he? I want you to hear a little bit of Clay Higgins. We've got two clips, and they're both very good. Chris Salcedo asks him in in the clip number one, it feels as though, and all the evidence suggests that the FBI is weaponized against certain kinds of Americans coming after regular common sense people. We the people, parents, taxpayers, workers, right? What do you think about that, Representative? Listen to this. In my opinion, it appears the FBI congressman, as it targets one political party, targets whole religions, has turned into a quasi-secret police force targeting Americans rather than defending us. How do you see it? Yeah, very similar from my perspective, sir. the FBI was, was not only involved in the act, actions on January 6th from within. They had, uh, I suspect, uh, over 200 agents embedded within the crowd, including agents or, as they would call, human assets, 
uh, inside the Capitol dressed as Trump supporters before the doors were opened. Um, beyond that, the FBI had embedded themselves and infiltrated uh, online chat groups and, and websites and social media accounts across the country with any group that was discussing uh, objections to COVID oppression. And the FBI, you know, effectively infiltrated those groups. And when you track the, the text threads and the communications within those groups and find the origins of suggestions of potential violence or, or an act of occupation of the Capitol on January 6th, you'll, you'll find that those, those messages were led by members of the groups that ended up to be the FBI agents that had infiltrated the group. So the FBI's involvement was deep, not just on J6, but on the days and weeks and months prior. Do you know what we call that? Entrapment. That's what that is. You mean to tell me that the FBI, Mr. Higgins, the FBI infiltrated these various groups. It's not like we didn't talk about this. The Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, these agents, my friends, remember, went to their doors. Hi. Hi, yeah, we're at the FBI. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we'd like you to be an undercover informant for us. The people who said no, they were thrown away to jail. You mean to tell me that you tried to gin up this insurrection by going into chat groups they were ticked off with the tyranny of lockdowns and all things ridiculous involving COVID, the rampant overreach, the trampling of our individual freedoms. And so you went on to those pages and you infiltrated them as people who you are not, didn't identify yourself as a federal agent, I'm imagining, right? To try to create this, we need to go. They Ray Epstein. We need to go. Go. We need to go inside. <laughs> really? It's almost like it was a setup. Yeah, that's what it was. In audio soundbite number two, Representative Higgins is going to talk about this whole Jack Smith thing. This prosecutor who's going after Donald Trump wants everybody on Twitter who ever liked or followed or retweeted anything that the president wrote. What about that, sir? Listen. Congressman, we're also now learning through new court documents. Special Inquisitor Jack Smith demanded a list of Twitter users that liked or retweeted social media posts from President Trump. Congressman, as the Democrats have largely abandoned the Constitution, and with the corruption that we've all witnessed at FBI and DOJ, it doesn't take much imagination to see socialists in the Democrat Party using a list like that for government threats, government intimidation, and government coercion. Can Republicans in good conscience continue to fund a DOJ and its operatives in light of their partisan and what I see as anti-American actions? Conservative Republicans certainly stand against funding uh, a DOJ and FBI that is clearly weaponized against the American people. Uh, we, we're taking a hard look at rebuilding the whole thing. 
So let me say regarding Jack Smith and his request for another list of American citizens under some alleged uh, legitimate investigative effort, uh, I'm, I consider it a badge of honor to be on another one of Jack Smith's list. So I just say that his, his days are numbered and American patriots are not going to stand idly by, good sir, uh, and, and allow our, our republic to dissolve. We, we are prepared to fight legally and peacefully and within the parameters of the Constitution uh, with every, every ounce of our might and, and focus. Um, the, the leftists will not take our country from us. We, we're standing strong, and I thank you for being a voice of truth and freedom. We need to rebuild it, he says. Remember, swastikas and riots at Rockefeller Center. January 6th, created by the feds, really? Don't go anywhere when we come back. A, an apology that should grease every apology out there, and there are a lot we are owed. This one for a little boy who was watching football. Next. We have talked an awful lot about this young man. The Kansas City Chiefs fan wearing the uh, dual-painted face, the half-black, half-red, Indian headdress. He's from California. He was called racist. He was called a bigot. At five. Is that how old he is? I believe so. I See, I have looked for his age, and I have never found it. So if you saw that. I thought someone said on Twitter. I mean, it's on Twitter. but Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't confirm that. But he's young. And like I said, they want to ruin every single thing that we do, whether it's Christmas or it's the Thanksgiving parade or it's artwork that they want to throw paint on a Picasso for climate change. Because that just that moves every needle. It just makes me hate you. People are saying he's nine. OK, nine, whatever he is, he's a young boy. All right. Enjoying a game. America's pastime. Yes. A fun team. Chiefs are fun. Called a racist and a bigot from a black guy who's just a turd. And then it came out that the boy who had painted his face, it wasn't blackface. The child himself is Native American. Okay? So I had said yesterday, the author of the Deadspin article that decided to insert himself into a news story that didn't exist for whatever reason, right? He had an opportunity to set the record straight, to do the right thing, to be a man, to be a good person and to say, you know what? I was wrong. That's how this whole discord, that's how the discourse changes. When people who were jumping off the handle or overreacted or whatever, jump to conclusions and we are all guilty at different times in our lives, right? To hit the brakes and be like, oops, that's on me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. My apologies to this child and his family. I should not have called you bigot, bigoted. I should not have done anything. My bad. Well, this reporter still hasn't retracted it. But another fellow, his name is Jack McGuire, and he's on Barstool Sports. Well, he picked up that story and he ran with it, too. And then he surprised me by coming out yesterday with this. Enjoy. Hand up, hand up. I messed up. Behind me is a Chiefs fan. On Sunday, I took this photo from the CBS broadcast and said he was wearing a blackface and a headdress. What I did not do was let more things come out about that photo as the other side of his face, 
was red. And in regards to the headdress, it has come out that he is Native American. His grandfather is part of the Chumash tribe and a member of the Santa Ynez band of Chumash Indians. I have since taken down this TikTok and uh, the apologies should be as loud as the accusation. So here's my TikTok saying I am sorry and also I am an idiot. I should have been better than this and should not have just reacted to the screenshot. The story is not as simple as just something on the TV. And as somebody who preaches that, I should have done that. And to those of you who are calling me out, I'm completely fair game. Uh, you know, more than fair game. That's how this goes. And, you know, like I said, I should have been better. And I deserve all the backlash. As an apology, I'll be reaching out to the family and asking if this fan wants a, a new jersey or some form of Chiefs memorabilia. But again, I apologize. I got it wrong. And I hope... Um, everybody that saw the original video will also see this. Guarantee you that if he reaches out to that child and his family, they will say, no, we don't want anything. All we want is to be left alone. All we want is the truth to be told about us. Now, hats off to Jack McGuire. I've never paid attention to him, but he's got 10,000 times the integrity of that Quran Phillips from Deadspin who just silently erased his, his feed <laughs> didn't write anything about this child, just, just got rid of it, deleted it, and wants to just move along. Now, it doesn't work like that, man. Because this is not a racist country. This is not a bigoted country. This is not a hateful country. Not on my side. Now, you guys with the swastikas who are chanting from the river to the sea, how about you post something about that, Mr. Phillips? Because that is far more offensive than a little boy enjoying time with his freaking family. Period. Coming up next. If a former president can't get a fair trial, what are your chances? Not good. We're going to go into some of these new developments in Donald Trump's ridiculous indictments. Those lawsuits next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Sometimes I wonder how Donald Trump does it. I think when you're when you get very wealthy and you're a target of this and that and lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera, you, you have to become very thick skinned. But it just absolutely must be exhausting. Can you imagine if the machinations of suck came after you to even the slightest skosh of a degree that they have to Donald Trump? And yet he continues to plug along. And there is this consistency about his persona. There is an optimism. You know, it is something that Rush Limbaugh was able to do so beautifully. He could talk about very serious, dire, heartbreaking things. Things that could keep you up at night. And invade the peace in your mind and trouble you. And yet, no matter how dark things felt, there was always that voice of positivity, of optimism, of patriotism, of love of this great place. Donald Trump has that. Have you seen any of his memes <laughs> that are fantastic? His holiday memes where he's dancing and, and he's such a goofy dancer. And he doesn't take himself seriously. And it's beautiful. And that is endearing 
to people, particularly in times of struggle. And America is struggling. But he has this, I'm never going to quit. I won't quit. You can watch them do this to me. You can watch them beat me and kick me and lie about me and mock me and try me. But you will not ever see me give up. Because what I believe in is worth fighting for. Even if it costs me everything. That's conviction. That's passion. That's not taught. That's learned. It's lived. And it's infectious. What this man has gone through to expose how bad things really are is truly breathtaking. But we got to talk about a couple of these cases. They're ridiculous. Judge denies Trump's bid to subpoena House January 6th committee documents, calling it a fishing expedition. This is the Chutkin. This is the Obama appointee who is toxic. Former President Donald Trump's effort to subpoena information related to the House investigation into the January 6th U.S. Capitol riot was blocked by a federal judge who ruled that the request seemed like nothing more than a, quote, fishing expedition. Trump and his legal team had sought to subpoena Benny Thompson, uh, the same Benny Thompson, by the way, who was the head of the January 6th committee, who we found out and reported earlier this week, had sent a letter to the head of the TSA suggesting that every single human being who happened to fly into Washington's zip code on January 6th ought to be put on a terror watch list. Five days after January 6th, of course. That's so fast. The walrus who doesn't move fast for anything. Wow, he was all over that like white on rice. So we want information. Trump's team does. Want to talk to Thompson, chairman of the House committee, and other government officials over allegedly missing materials from the panel's archives. Now, this is what the judge, Tanya Chutkin, wrote in her order. The broad scope of the records that defendant seeks and his vague description of their potential relevance resemble less a good faith effort to obtain identified evidence than they do a general fishing expedition that attempts to use the subpoena as a discovery device, she wrote. In August, Thompson noted that the committee did not keep records of materials. Benny Thompson himself, head of the January 6th committee, said to us in August, they, cu- they kept it quiet, though. You know, we didn't really keep a lot of the stuff that we didn't use in our presentations of high school theater to the uh, American people. We, you know, we kind of bulk erased it. It went through the, it went through the, the what's it called when you chop up p- pieces of paper? The shredder. Thank you very much. <laughs> Right. We didn't think that we needed to save that stuff. What do you think that stuff was? Oh, that's right. It was all of the important stuff that didn't go along with their narrative that Donald Trump was an insurrectionist because that was what they needed in order for Colorado and all these other states to say as an insurrectionist, he shouldn't be allowed on the ballot. It's almost like it's so connected because it is. 
The select committee did not archive temporary committee records that were not elevated by the committee's actions, such as use in hearings or official publications, or those that did not further the investigative activities. Accordingly, and contrary to your letter's implication, the select committee was not obligated to archive all video recordings of transcribed interviews or depositions. So you just junked it. We got some stuff from some of these folks. And it could have been really useful to Donald Trump, but we don't want to help him any more than we wanted to help Jacob Chansley's defense, right? Which is why we withheld that January 6th video of nine Capitol Police officers giving him an escort through the Senate. Opening doors. Excuse me, sir. Let me help you in here. Oh, come on in. Excellent. It's almost like entrapment again. What? So Donald Trump is not allowed to have materials because the January 6th committee said, Meh, we didn't find it useful. So we kind of like, we did a Vladimir Zelensky, you know, big fire, pit, pit fire. There you go. A burn. Can't find any of that stuff. Chutkin says, stop looking for it. You don't get to have it. You're too vague, too, too out there, too many materials. So, no, you don't get to have that. Oh, good. So it, information that could benefit me, I can't have, which is why Jacob Chansley, by the way, spent months in solitary confinement. Can you imagine what it would be like to know that you were part of such a lie that would tear the country to shreds, that, that it would that would tear siblings from one another, not dissimilar to the Civil War, where brothers would fight brothers, neighbors against neighbors. Can you imagine the guilt? Is that why so many police officers after that killed themselves? Quote, unquote, killed themselves. I don't know. So there we have Donald Trump saying, no, you can't have that. Judge Chutkin says, no, you're not allowed to have that. Remember, Chutkin is the same judge who pierced Donald Trump's executive order claims and forced him to present records, classified records that he had kept at Mar-a-Lago, that he had declassified. She said, no, your declassification isn't valid. You will hand those, in, those documents over now. Sounds so even-handed. Now, at the same time, you also have to recall that the committee determined the central cause of January 6th was, quote, one man, Donald Trump. None of the events that day would have happened without him. That was the takeaway. Millions of dollars, hundreds of interviews, the ones that were damning to the select committee burned, destroyed, sort of like how Nancy Pelosi wanted to put on the shelf. 41,000 hours of surveillance video at the Capitol. Put it away. Don't need to see that. Those wounds, we've healed. Let's move on. Interesting. So I want to read you this from the New York Post this morning. This is interesting. Beyond the fishing expedition idea here is the idea that we have undercover agents working with the federal government, paid by us, our taxpayer dollars, who have infiltrated not just the Capitol building itself, who are not just outside ginning up the crowd, getting everybody riled up, encouraging people to come in, let's go, let's go, let's go. You have Capitol Police not just 
opening the doors, moving the barricades and saying, come on in, not saying you are breaking the law. You are not allowed in here. We now have video, damning video, showing police pushing people who were trying to get out of the Capitol that day to create madness and mayhem. And that is exactly what they did. So Jack Smith, however, he gets to to get an okay. Donald Trump denied these materials, which could be very beneficial to his case, that he is the guy who started an insurrection. He's the man who's responsible for all of his patently idiotic. Meanwhile, Prosecutor Jack Smith says, you know what? I need to know all of these things about Donald Trump's communications on Twitter, not just his communications, not just his drafts, not just the things that he deleted, people he banned, whatever his activities were. But we want to have access to every single person who liked what he said, who retweeted what he said, or who clicked follow and gave him the tens of millions of followers that he has. This is where Section 702, which is being debated as we speak in the House, is so very important. Because in order to surveil you, and I, I figure that they have records on the lion's share of us. It sounds gross, but I think it's probably true. This Section 702, if it gets stuck in this defense spending bill that everybody's got to vote on before the holidays... If it gets stuck in there, this federal government for another 11 months until the transfer of power ostensibly occurs, presuming Donald Trump wins, which I'm pretty sure he will. They will have unfettered access without warrant, needing a warrant to come after you and anybody in your in your orbit. Who's a right wing extremist. You heard Brandon Johnson say the mayor of Chicago. That is the story. Right-wing extremism, MAGA extremism, conservative nationalism, fascism. That's what we're up against. This is their final desperate Hail Mary play. They have no more plays. And that's what's terrifying. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I want to set something up for you. We're going to have Julie Kelly. She's going to come up in the next 20 minutes. She is the investigative journalist who has exposed all of these hearings. She has sat in on Judge Engeron's ridiculosity. She's been there with Judge Chutkin. She says something very intriguing. And it's about Officer Brian Sicknick. You remember him. Well, I'm going to give you the back door on this before she joins us live. Was his death planted? Wait for it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right, so who's more offensive? George Santos or everybody else in Congress? It's kind of a toss-up. George Santos right now is the guy who's front and center. He's right. He's the poster child of things that seem dark and yucky. You know, this is a guy who is accused of using campaign cash for Botox and to go to Hermes and get all sorts of fancy purses and things of that nature. Okay. How is that different than insider trading? How's that any different than being a part of the bribery blackmail operation, which is called your United States Congress? How's that any different? 
Now, I'm not defending George Santos. He lied from the beginning about who he was. He admitted he lied, right? It took a while. He did admit it, but he ultimately did. No, my parents didn't die in 9-11. No, I didn't, have, I didn't graduate from that school. I don't have a million dollars in the bank. I live with my sister, right? I don't have a house. I'm not rich. I'm not all of these things. He was, however, duly elected. He was elected by his constituents in his district in New York. And yet he is the guy that gets all the people in Congress fired up in a bipartisan pa- in fashion to expel uh, right now. Right. They, they kick him out. He is a fraud. Hello. Pot kettle black. I find this fascinating. And Brock brought it up. He's correct. It's amazing how you can get Republicans to galvanize around wanting to give this dude the shove. But they couldn't oust Alejandro Mayorkas, the guy who is responsible for lying to your face for three years. The border is secure. It is not a crisis. We inherited a problem. If only the Republicans would help us work on a solution. We didn't do this. It's fine. Don't worry about it. What about those 85,000 kids who are missing? I have no idea what you're talking about. Are they involved in the sex trade? That's ridiculous. Can't can't impeach that guy. Serial lying dirtbag. But this squishy kind of effeminate dressing goofball who lies about who he is, because he himself is probably a weakling narcissist, too, is poised to get the boot. This has been a fascinating case study, though, because he's not leaving quietly in what may have been his last congressional press conference. This is today. The lying Long Island Republican urged his fellow lawmakers to reject the precedent that would be set by bullying him from office via an expulsion vote before introducing his own resolution. You ready for it, Brock? To remove Jamal Bowman for pulling the freaking fire alarm. I, I thought it, I thought it opened the door. I thought it was an emergency exit. I think this is delicious. Hey, if you want to if you want to get rid of me, you should probably get rid of that turd sandwich too. <laughs> Cuz he lied. He lied about everything. He interrupted an official proceeding last time I checked. How many hundreds of January 6 protesters have been charged and thrown into prison for so doing? Jamal Bowman. Ah, I know it got crazy in there. <laughs> I would totally mistake it, too. But he went over and he took the sign off of the door that says, not an exit. Well, he was he was just confused. Two tears. Two. Not one. This is what he says. It's just an unfortunate circumstance that I have to sit here and watch Congress waste the American people's time over and over again on something that is the power of the people, Santos, 35, told reporters during a chilly early early morning availability outside the Capitol just hours ago. They're trying to join me to the group of three Confederates and two people convicted in a court of law, he said, of the effort to oust him. So if I'm going to get expelled tomorrow, I will be number six in the history, the first Republican and the only one without a conviction or without having committed treason. You know what George Santos did? George Santos kind of beat him at their own game. 
See, usually you've got to get into office to begin lying and stealing and defrauding people. George Santos lied to get in the door to then go do that. I think it's fascinating. Do I think George Santos is a fine representation of the Republican Party? No, but to be honest with you, I've monitored his votes. His votes are spot on conservative. 100%. 100%. So you have to you have to kind of hold your nose. Who would I prefer? Cuz these are the people we're getting. We're not getting the best and the brightest. We're not getting the the veteran heroes. We're not getting the patriots. We're not getting the the people who've always put the country first. We're getting a very specific group of people. It's Hollywood for the ugly. That is your Congress. That is politics. That is government in general. Jamal Bowman gets a pass. He gets a slap on the wrist. I think he was supposed to make a, what, a a $1,000 fine. What do you want to bet he didn't even write that check? guaranteed now if you want to go after george santos for spending money that was donated to his coffers on botox i think you're probably going to have to talk to the majority chuck schumer's online too (laughs) and his plugs his plugs how do you afford that on a on a senator's salary sir well you know we've got per diems for that Julie Kelly, ladies and gentlemen, talking about specifically Officer Brian Sicknick. This is the Capitol Police officer who the president, Joe Biden, even said was killed by rabid January 6 rioters by those MAGA extremists. He was hit over the head with a fire extinguisher. The media ran with it for days until, of course, it came out that no, he died of natural causes after the fact. A stroke, but that didn't stop them from putting away a guy for six years for allegedly killing him, even though that man did not. Julie Kelly is going to join us, investigative journalist, and she's going to tell you why it is interesting to her that the sicknick death might have been a planted story for a very specific reason. Why? Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. <laughs> 